Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. My guest today is actor, writer, producer, and martial artist Scott Adkins, who you've seen in The Born Ultimatum, X-Men Origins, Ip Man, and a ton of other iconic action movies. You'll learn about Scott's latest films, Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday, and John Wick Chapter 4. If he gets upset when someone hits him, what Scott would do if I broke into his house, the art in martial arts, meeting his childhood hero, meeting his wife, and a lot more. Calling in today is Kristen, who formed a strong friend group with fellow mothers, only to discover that one of them likes to create unnecessary drama. Now Kristen wonders how or if she should address the situation, and if doing so would only cause more friction in the group. As always, thank you for listening to Unqualified. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, you can find a link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hey! How are you, Anna? I'm great. I'm really excited to be talking with you. Let's talk first about Accident Man. Oh, tough question. <laughs> it's basically the sequel to Accident Man 1. This is Accident Man 2, but they felt... Let's leave the two out and just call it Accident Man. Hitman's Holiday, just in case nobody saw the first one, it's not going to put you off. And it doesn't because we managed to fill in the gaps at the very beginning of the movie. But anyway, Accident Man is a comic book that I stumbled upon when I was 14 years old in rainy England. And I got this comic book and I kept it all my life, always expecting somebody to make it into a movie one day. Nobody ever did. What was the pull of Accident Man? Well, it was just a cool comic book. In the 80s, you would get these comics like 2000 AD. It was written by Pat Mills, who also did Judge Dredd. And these British sci-fi comic books were extremely violent. And it was like, if you made that into a movie, it would be banned. It was that sort of thing. And it wasn't until I think Ryan Reynolds did Deadpool that he actually put that type of comic book onto the screen. And everyone was a bit nervous about it, weren't they? But it actually works, and it was a big success, as we know. Almost like the idea of a protagonist not being polished, or you couldn't necessarily call them a good guy. Exactly. Big-time anti-hero. But also the amount of violence and the swear words and things like that. You could get away with it in a comic book, but maybe not on film. I think actually it was Matthew Vaughan that sort of broke the mold for me when I saw Kick-Ass, because that was a Mark Miller comic book, British again. And, you know, violence, swearing, not a kid's thing, but still kids like it. So Accident Man is very much in that vein. And he's a hitman that specializes in killing people, but making it look like an accident. So nobody ever asks any questions. But of course, he's a expert martial artist as well, which is why I thought of myself for the part. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. I was listening to a story you were telling about the Bourne Ultimatum. Yeah. Where Matt Damon kicked you in the balls. 
And I was thinking about my own sort of scary movie. Like we had to do fight sequences and stunts yeah. in learning that precision work. Wire work. Wire work, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's not good on the balls either. Yeah, I believe it. When I get hurt, like most people, especially if it's inflicted by somebody else, whether you're acting or not, you're flooded with pain and then it's anger. And I wanted to know, like you're acting with somebody you maybe like or maybe you don't like. They pummel you somehow. How do you not like lash out? Well, that's just another day at the office for me. <laughs> so how do you control the anger bit? Of course, I've been training in martial arts since I was 10. So getting hit is nothing new. You condition your body to take punishment. You know, some people more than others. I'm not about to run into the octagon and take out whoever's the uh, welterweight champion. Not today anyway. But no, you come through the martial arts and you're used to taking a bit of punishment. So when you do a fight scene, and it's a good question because I do so many of these films that I'm quite particular with who I work with. You know, if I'm given the option to choose who it's going to be, I'm going to get somebody of a very high caliber, not just a martial artist, but somebody who understands screen fighting or, you know, stunt work and understands that it's more of a dance than a real fight and all that stuff. That's hard for movie stars. Yeah, well... I know what you're saying. So if I've got to do a fight sequence with an actor who's not used to doing fight sequences, that's probably going to be the most painful situation. You know, if the person you're doing it with doesn't understand, the worst thing I can hear is, oh, I, what's my motivation? And I'm just trying to get into character. I'm not feeling it and blah, 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 which is great if you're doing an acting scene. But when it comes to doing a fight sequence, you have to be very scientific and precise. Right. Because you've got to keep safe. And if you just throw caution to the wind and like, right, I'm just going to come at you and I'm just going to do this. Or, or maybe I'm going to veer off the choreography because I'm getting too excited. I don't want to hear that because that's when accidents happen. It's better to be very regimented about it. Totally. And on my end, it's really hard when an actor starts questioning all that stuff in just a regular scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like that should have been digested before. <laughs> just say the lines. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So Scott, Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday is available now. Yeah, it's doing very well. People really responding to it very well. Day Shift is on Netflix. Day Shift, yes. And then, of course, John Wick Chapter 4 is coming out. Yeah. March 24th. Very excited about that. Yeah, Day Shift is with Dave Franco and Jamie Foxx. Action comedy. The director, actually, is his directorial debut, but is a very successful second unit director. Comes from the stunt world. Oh, that's great. Yeah, his name is J.J. Perry. You probably were with him at some point. And we go back a long way, and I'm so happy that he asked me to be part of it to play a vampire slaying martial arts brother, expert, staker. Nice. Had a great time with it. Lots of action. Yeah, that went down very well. People loving that. And yes, the next one is John Wick 4, which is probably the best action franchise you can be in at this point in modern day times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I met Keanu Reeves once and I was just telling my friend Paul Shear that it was magical and exactly what I would have expected because it was also kind of bizarre in yeah. the best of ways. I think I know where you're coming from. Yeah. What a nice guy. Really, really, like unnervingly. I have this memory of him sort of almost floating. I don't know 
Why? Yeah, because he's like an angel. He kind of is. Yeah, he's such a sweetheart. Nobody's got anything bad to say about him. There's no one. Yeah. And everybody got a present from Keanu. Really? Yes, he bought all the stunt guys, Rolexes. Oh my God. Yeah, and well, his team have these axes. And he got this axe, you know, put in a wooden box and engraved and everything. Oh, what a guy. And I was thinking, where's my Rolex, man? Come on. Yeah, yeah. But you got the axe. I got the axe. I have to keep it away from the children because it's a real one. How old are your kids? I got a four-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl. That is awesome. What about yourself? I have one boy that I gave birth to. He's 10. And then I have two older stepchildren that are teenagers. Okay. Yeah. It's been a ride. Yes. I've learned to just take a position as like the fun supporter. Okay. I don't nag them about anything. <laughs> it has just been the path of least resistance okay. and most joy. <laughs> Is that working out then? Because that sounds good to me. Better than it was before. Huh? Oh, really? I need to listen to you. Okay. So, Scott, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Probably Thailand, because I love it there. Not Bangkok, but a bit further down south. I've never been. Oh, you have to go. I, I would love to. It's paradise. And the people are beautiful. The land of the smiles and the weather is just fantastic. And the nature, the scenery, it's great. What was your movie that was sort of most viewed? I'll say for a martial arts film, Enter the Dragon. It's the classic with Bruce Lee. And then the film in general, Jaws. I mean, whenever Jaws is on, you've got to watch Jaws. You can't not watch it till the end. That's the greatest film ever made. Have you ever written a fan letter? Yeah. Yeah, back in the day. See, when I was a kid growing up, the guy for me was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Yes. My bedroom wall was plastered with this guy, you know, always with his shirt off. My mom was asking questions of me. Yeah, I've done four films with him now. I know. Do you know what's funny is I had a scrapbook, a Van Damme scrapbook. Now, I know I shouldn't admit this, but I'm going to admit it. The first film I did with Van Damme, I thought it would be a good idea to take the scrapbook with all the clippings of newspaper articles and little things that he'd done and present this to Jean-Claude Van Damme because I needed him to know right. what he meant to me, right? Uh-huh. But now I realized I shouldn't have done that. Why? Because <laughs> Because it was weird. It was well weird. I should have just treated him like a colleague, you know. Well, I don't know. I mean, there is that thing that when you meet your hero and they're human, that is hard. And a human that has lived most of their life, the majority of their life, in that weirdness of fame. Well, that's what's making it weird, though, right? Having people like me all the time, making it weirder. No, I disagree, because I bet he wasn't all that surprised. Yeah, I guess to him it was another day at the office. What was his reaction? Was he, like, blasé about it? Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he was blasé, actually. Yeah. And that's the thing that I realized was that, to you, it's massive. You've lived with this moment. Right. I'm just another kid. Right. Like, I need to go and get my lunch. Yeah. Make it quick. Yep. Yeah. And it's also probably in his world common. Yeah. That's not a surprise. Yeah. But I think to work with him, you don't want to be like the fan. You want to be a professional. And that, I would say, was my mistake. I bet he didn't even remember it. Yeah. I want to ask this delicately. Is there a minor heartbreak in meeting and working with your hero? 
yeah, look, they can never live up to what's on the screen and what's in your head. Which is the truth. That's the truth. I can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah. None of us can do it, you know, especially when it comes to action stars. Right. I mean, you're creating like an aura and an invincibility and I'm this and I'm that. We're, we're all human. You know, I don't think any of the top action stars of today are ready to step into the octagon. I mean, you know, it's all make-believe, isn't it? Right. Yep. Scott, do you have a sibling? I got an older brother. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So tell me about that idea. I have an older brother, and it has been very formative as I look back on sort of who I am, because he's tall, and he's big, and he's strong, and we fought all the time. We love each other now. We're really close. But man, it formed me in a way. Yeah. Tell me about your experience. I mean, I'm not sure for a girl. But for a boy, having an older brother is good because he's going to beat you up for most of your life. He's toughening you up. He's making you tougher than he is. Totally. Because eventually one day you're going to get to the same size as him. That's what happened with me. I gave my brother a good beating. <laughs> but he toughened me up as well. So he got me ready for the martial arts. So it was a good thing. And I do love my brother. We do love each other. But when we lived together, we absolutely hated one another. And he went to university and he was gone for three years and I was still living with my mom. And then he came back for a year. And so while I was at university, we had a great relationship. And as soon as he came back for that one year, I hated him again. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. Getting back to fight sequences for just a minute, what advice would you give? Like, let's say I'm coming on to your movie we're going to do a fight sequence. I mean, I know that there's so much minutiae that we would have to practice and everything, but do you have any general advice that you usually give? One of the biggest things is, I mean, a lot of the time we're dealing with real martial artists. That's why they're in there doing a fight sequence. And something that they never understand, the majority of them, when they're doing it for the first time, is that what feels right to you as a martial artist, you know, oh, I throw the punch this way. The kick happens with the ball of the foot in a certain position, all this stuff. It doesn't matter when you do in the film. What's important is what the lens sees, right? Right. That's what the audience is going to see. It doesn't matter how it feels to you. What's important is that we fill the frame with good action. The little things that you've got to teach people to fill the frame. Like if we're in the middle of the frame like this and I throw the punch and it works, you've got all this space. And if we can just spread out and fill the frame, that will always look more impressive. It's little things like that. Will you tell me all of the martial arts that you are trained in? I started with judo because my dad and my brother did it. So I was 10 years old and I just went along and they stopped and I continued. And then at 13, I did a little bit of ninjutsu before that, but just messing about. At 13, I started taekwondo, which I did for quite a few years. And that is my base really. Gave me good clean kicks. Um, my instructor, Ron Sergier, was one of the guys from England that was known to have the most athletic and dynamic, flashy flying kicks and everything. So he was a perfect teacher for me to have. And then I did, you know, a lot of other things dipping in and out, but one of the main ones was kickboxing, just, uh, throwing kicks and punches and getting beaten around. Kicks and punches. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing your kicks and punches. I'll do my faces. There you go. <laughs> and uh, MMA, I mean, that's the big thing now. So everything's mixed together. The wrestling with the boxing and the kickboxing and the tie boxing and the jujitsu. And yeah, 
but it's a lifetime of it. Yeah. It turns out it's a good idea when you're 12, but when you get to 46, it starts to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it like helps release aggression for kids. I think it's a good thing. I think people worry about it. My wife, she worries about me teaching my son martial arts. Oh, really? Yeah, she's like, oh, you're going to make him aggressive and he's going to get into trouble. He may hit some kids at school. All of the above is true. There is a possibility for that. I mean, it's a learning experience, right? It's a growing experience. But the point is, I believe that kids that go to the dojo or the boxing gym or anywhere like that, they get to train for an hour and a half and they get their aggression out of their system, that's the best way. Also, if they've got a good teacher that can teach them self-control, respect, all those sorts of things, that's going to go a long way as well. And in my experience, the toughest guy in the gym, most of the time, is the most relaxed, nicest guy with the least ego because he's got nothing to prove. Right. I like that. Okay. So now I want to ask you, how old you were when you first felt like you were in love? Were you a romantic? Yeah, it was, oh God, I was 16. Maybe I'm a late starter. But yeah, my first girlfriend was the first girl that I loved. At 16? Yeah. How was that breakup? I want to ask you about heartbreak and the idea of getting over it. You don't have to talk about this one necessarily. And it could be heartbreak in a different realm. It's one of those things we've all got to go through, right? You get your heart broken a few times. Did she break up with you? She did break up with me. Yeah. God, how dare you bring this up? I'm sorry. (laughs) How long had you been in a relationship with her? A year and a half, maybe something like that. It was tough. Very tough. But you need that, don't you? Yeah, you do. I think in order to become a more empathetic person. Well, oddly enough, it's probably the same as martial arts in some sense, where you're toughening yourself up to a certain degree. Yeah. Maybe if nobody's ever broken your heart and you get to a certain age where it's never happened to you, then it might hurt twice as bad. Whereas if you get a little bit of that growing up as you become a man or a woman, it's probably better to get some calluses on the heart. Totally. You know, your feelings at that age are so like live wires. Yeah. But did it come as a surprise to you? And why do you think she broke up with you? Oh, God. Probably because I'm just some immature teenager and she was growing up quicker than me. She was the girl that was just across the street and we were just knocking around on the street, you know, having a laugh with the other lads, the other kids. That's like a close neighbor. Well, yeah, she was there for a bit. Well, her parents were there for a long time, but she moved away. But I think she probably just grew up too quick and I was refusing to grow up. Still now, you can probably tell. So that's probably why she left me. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered, honestly. What was your worst job? God, this one is terrible. This was a weird one. So I wasn't getting the acting work. I was living in London. I was doing the auditions. Wasn't going great. Just getting odd jobs. And I joined this temping agency. I didn't do great at school because I was up all night reading comics, pretending to be an action star. So anyway, they wouldn't give me any easy accounting jobs or anything in an office. Oh, man. I wasn't sure what the job was at first. Can't remember how it was worded, but it didn't sound like what it was. And I was in a van driving around London and I would stop off on the high street and I'd go into a high street store and I would have to go into the ladies and get the, uh, (laughs) 
the the box where the uh, the ladies' things would be like the feminine hygiene, the feminine stuff. hygiene stuff. Yeah, and I had to take it and I had to put it in the back of the van, and the van was full, and um, it wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't a where good job. Where did you take this? Then I had to take it back to the industrial estate where I got the van from, and they dealt with it somehow. But my job was just to pick it up and bring it there. And I made sure that I saw the whole day out because I didn't really understand what it was until I was doing it. And then I'm thinking, hang on a minute, this isn't good. <laughs> I'm not happy with this job. But I made sure I finished out the whole day just so that he could give me some more work in the future that was not that, but something else. And he said, listen, mate, I don't blame you. <laughs> That's what the boss said. I don't either. Yeah. But somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. It was me for that day. Thank you, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. That's a rough one. That's a rough one. This is probably the roughest podcast I've done as well. <laughs> oh, is it? Having to talk about this sort of stuff. Oh, Scott. No, I'm only joking. It's good. Good. All right. So let's talk about your family a little bit. What traits do you think you got from your parents? Hard work. Got a good work ethic. Actually, my family, I'm from a generation of butchers and they know how to graft it up early, you know, cutting up the meat, scrubbing down oh the blocks, long hours. That was a hard job. And my mom, she always worked hard growing up. She was always working from home, but always working. And me and my brother saw that. And I think that's something we took from them for sure. And you need that to do martial arts films. Let's be honest. It's not easy. It takes its toll. Imagine doing that all the time, every movie. I can't. <laughs> I really can't. Those were hard days. And I only had to have a few of them, you know? Yeah. So it helps if you're from a family of butchers. So this is a twofold question. What martial art would you describe as maybe poetic or maybe they all are? Because I don't know anything about martial arts. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a respect for one more than the other? No, absolutely. I mean, look, it's martial art. It is the art of war. But there's an art history to it. So there's a beauty in all of them. If you want to look at it that way, you know, yes, it's violence and it's devastating and it's scary. When I think of martial arts, I really think of Japanese Bushido and that sort of thing where they found the art history and how to dish out the violence, you know, in the most efficient way possible, but with the respect and the honor that it deserves. You know, that's where the bowing comes from, the belts, the discipline, the respect. It's all there because in those days when you fought, it wasn't for sports, it was life and death. So along with that came the artistry of it and the respect. But there's certainly a beauty in most martial arts. I mean, let's take boxing. To watch somebody like Lamachenko when he's in the pocket, just the game of inches, just being missed, being hit by just a, a millimeter and being able to stay close enough to deliver the blow back. There's beauty in that. There's beauty in seeing Bruce Lee perform his kicks and punches the way he would do it. There's beauty in Chinese martial arts, the grace, the fluidity. And there's beauty in something like jujitsu, which is, it's like a game of chess. The way they figure out the moves, it's very cerebral martial art. Boxing, very cerebral. Fighting is very cerebral. People don't look at it that way, but at the highest level, you have to be uh, cerebral about it. It's not anger that's going to let you win the fight at that level. In fact, the anger will make you lose the fight. Blinds you, right? Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't fight angry. You should fight calm, clear, collected, with no emotion. And I guess that kind of goes back to that reactionary idea of pain, which goes to anger. Yeah, that's what you don't want. Right, and how you prevent it. Yeah. 
A lot of fighters, they fight better when they are happy and when they enjoy it. You'll see in the UFC, sometimes you'll see a smart coach saying to the fighter, come on, baby, just get out there and enjoy yourself. You know, because <laughs> it's about just flow with it. Don't let the tension get to you. Just enjoy it. I feel like you could kill me with one blow. Let's say... Not through Zoom. Let's say I broke into your home with a weapon. Right. Like a bow and arrow. Okay, bow and arrow. <laughs> First thing I do is I run. And then I go, no, hang on a minute. Isn't that Anna Faris? <laughs> the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get the weapon. That's the most important thing. But what if it's a gun? Well, if you're so close to me that I've got no choice, I can't run. Then the first thing I've got to do is I've got to get the weapon and I've got to keep hold of that. Even if you're smashing me in the bridge of the nose with your fist. Right. Okay. I've got to make sure that that weapon is done. Is this, how am I doing? Yeah. See, I'll just be taking it. This is great for our listeners. <laughs> I'm attempting yeah. to punch Scott over You've Zoom. You've got to go, hi Lamely. Hi-ya. Hi-ya. And then we know. Hi-ya. Now we know what she's doing. Look at that. Yeah. It's powerful. I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. Well, I was imagining that you would kick me swiftly in the neck. Well, I've got to get the gun first. That's right. True. Even though it's just little Anna, I get that gun. Yeah. Take it out of your hand. Ow. Yes. Break a few fingers. Oh, just got my nails done. I elbow you in the nose. God damn it. I just had it done. Yeah. And I'm like, sorry, but you had a gun. And I'm English, and I'm not used to guns, so I had to just smash her in the face. Uh, amazing. All right. Yeah. All right. So, Scott, but like leading back to this idea, I guess, did you fight as a kid? Yeah, a little bit, but more in the gym, especially in the kickboxing days with, you know, the Friday night sparring sessions and all the rest of it. But it's not like you are wasted at a bar. Some of that, you know, you grow up, don't you? You're growing up and you get into a little bit of mischief. Yeah. But not much. As I say, you get it out of your system in the dojo. There's less to prove. Right. What is a trait you dislike in others? Arrogance. Just think you know it all and don't listen to people just waiting to talk, that sort of thing. What's a trait that you dislike in yourself? You know, I think I saw an interview with you. Were you shy as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. I was like deliberately quiet. But not shy. I wouldn't have described myself as shy, but I was very quiet. Like, school didn't suit me. Oh. I just was very wary of everybody. And I felt fundamentally just odd. Like, I didn't know how to connect with other girls. Right. And then when I got older, I had a lot of guy friends that probably liked me, and that's why we were friends. But why do you ask, Scott? Well, because I was very shy as a kid, and it was something that I didn't like about myself but it was very hard to overcome even though i knew i needed to especially to become an actor i mean if you're shy it's probably not good to put yourself on the stage i don't know maybe some of it is like escaping through a character too that's exactly it yeah i think it is but of course it would come back at the beginning of my career it would be something that was like a crutch that would keep me down i would be crippled with fear at auditions and mm -hmm. it was very difficult for me to do a good job for a long time well once you got the job and you were on the set different story but specifically with the auditions auditions almost feel like a different art yeah don't you think some people are better at auditions than they are acting yes very yeah. much so yeah. if you went to a high school reunion how would people remember you well, uh, I think probably somewhere between a shy kid and a class clown. Oh, okay. Yeah. I fancied myself as a bit of a comedian, I suppose, in a silly way. 
And so I was a bit of a clown. I'd make the other kids laugh and maybe they'd like me, right? But, you know, I had my own group of friends and we were quite a tight knit group, but we were quiet. We were all a bit quiet and reserved into the comic books and movies, things like that. Wasn't out with the lads playing soccer and all the rest of it. I'd kind of be with the geeky types, if you like. Yeah, but that's interesting because the only physical activity I really enjoy is skiing, which is solitary. Yeah. And I was never drawn towards team sports. And I think that there's something there about that, how individual martial arts is. Yeah, it's definitely not a team sport. Yeah. You don't have anyone to mess it up for you and you can't mess it up for anyone else, which is a good thing in both ways. Yeah. Let me ask you this before we get to our caller. How did you meet your wife? Oh, yes. Well, I lived in London for about six years. You know, went down there to get started and whatnot. Hated it. But when I started to make a little bit of headway in the business, I decided to move back to Birmingham, which is where I'm from and family, friends still here. We were out one night and I saw this beautiful young lady who turned out to be my future wife. And my friend knew her, but I didn't know her. And so we got chatting and then we left. And I kept saying to my friend, oh, that girl, she was, she was nice, man. How'd you know her? Blah, blah, blah. And he phoned her friend and she came back and I was drunk and she thought I was an idiot <laughs> and I wasn't giving a good account of myself. But then a week later, somebody convinced her to give me another go and go out on a date in the day while I was sober. I do drink, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. Okay. I am English. No apologies here. My body is a temple most of the time, except for Friday nights. Yeah. Yeah. And now we went on a date and I made her laugh, she says, and the rest is history. That is really nice. And when was it? How long have you guys been married? So that was back in 2009 and we got married and two kids, very happy, about to move to a new house. So everything's good. Good. That's just not stressful at all. No. Well, I think we've made it to the other side. We've just got to do the move. Okay, good. Yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Kristen. Hello, Kristen. Hi. 
I can't thank you enough for your letter because it feels like every mom's issue right now. <laughs> Will you tell us what's going on? So when I was pregnant in 2018, I joined a mom's group and we started out just a group of like six of us. And then it actually expanded to about like 100 women or so. So it's been an awesome, awesome network to have like as a mom. But from there, like we split off into little friend groups, you know, like whoever got along with more. Yeah, 100 people is a lot when you have a baby. <laughs> yes. I mean, just in general. <laughs> For sure. So there's a group of about like three or four of us that are pretty close that we've stayed really close in contact with throughout like our kids growing up together. Two of them have more than one now, but the other one and I are chilling at one. Can we give them fake names? Yes, Kristen. Yes. Okay. So let's go with Mary, Julie, and Sarah. Mary, Julie, and Sarah. <laughs> Perfect. So Mary and I are pretty close. We both have one kid. What was the Julie... And Sarah? You can rename anybody well, if you'd you. like. <laughs> My names were not very creative. <laughs> or maybe we should call one of them Tragedy. Okay, Tragedy. <laughs> yeah. So Tragedy, we're really close with her and her family and... Like my kid's really close with her daughter and we love them. We're each other's emergency contacts for just about everything. Like I would trust her with my kid, but she has a tendency to just be like a big gossip, I guess. And recently she started on with me and another friend. We'll call her Julia. She started with me and Julia where we were planning a trip to Mexico. We're in Texas, so it's like a really quick trip for my birthday. And then I wasn't going to be able to go, but they planned it and they went without me and they just kind of forgot. <laughs> and I was just like, eh. like, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I made a joke about it when we were out for drinks one night because I was like, that's hilarious that we just all kind of like let this get away and I'll figure out what to do. And tragedy kind of turned it into a little bit of a tragedy there. Wait, Kristen, can I ask you, why weren't you able to go? Oh, my husband and I were traveling for something else. Okay. It just didn't work out. Gotcha. So you weren't devastated? No, no. I really was like, we'll figure something out. You were like, hey, but you guys want what out, man. I hope you had a good time. Like, Yeah. I thought it was just kind of like shit talking while we were having drinks and having fun. And then she kind of turned it into like Kristen's pissed at everyone. And like so much so that she made it awkward for Julia. And Julia stopped talking to me for about a month. Why? She thought that I was mad at her and she thought that I like was upset that they were going on some trip. So like when you reached out to her, whatever, she just wouldn't respond? Well, it kind of worked out odd timing where like at the time my son ended up in the hospital. And so I was just kind of MIA anyways. And then when I checked back in with her, I was like, hey, where have you been? And she was like, oh, I thought you were upset with me. And I was like, no, I've just been life. But so Julia there was telling me that it was really awkward to chat and she wanted to hang out and talk in person and clear the air. And I was just thrown off guard because I was like, I don't even know. Just from this one thing. From like one comment. But so Julia ended up coming over. We had drinks and hung out and chatted about stuff. I hope tragedy didn't find out. No. Well, so oddly enough, we talked about tragedy quite a bit. But we got to a point where we were realizing, like, we've been friends with this person for so long and it just keeps getting worse. Like, she doesn't really, like, open up with us and we find ourselves opening up with her. But then our stuff gets splattered everywhere. And then, like, little stuff like this where it's like, it wasn't a big deal. And then she spun it out of control. Right. It was pulling an unnecessary thread. Yeah. It was like, why? Yeah. I think I mentioned Mary there before, the one that I'm really close with. 
So Mary and tragedy have been pretty close for a long time as well. Oh boy. I know. Adding another one. But Mary, like her and her husband just have stuff going on, but it's personal. So she will vent to one of us, nothing like crazy, but then tragedy will call her husband and tell her husband whatever was said. And it could be something stupid like, you know, I asked him to do this one thing and he didn't do it. And then she'll call the other husband and be like, oh, well, Mary said blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's actually being detrimental to them. Is it like the kind of thing like I have to stay with the ladies? I'm going to be late tonight because... Mary is really pissed at her husband. Is it like that kind of a thing? Well, all of our families are pretty close. So her husband and tragedy's husband are pretty close. They work in the medical industry, so their schedules are often kind of wacky. So we always end up kind of like trying to help out and like pick up the kids wherever and that sort of thing. So it's not uncommon for our group to like hang out with the other spouses without the spouses around. Like it's not uncomfortable or anything. So we're just all used to that. But the problem is, is that when tragedy hangs out with Mary's husband, she talks shit and like stirs up stuff with their marriage. It's just odd that she's saying personal stuff that, you know, would seem like a normal venting session of just kind of like, uh, this is bugging me. I'll be over it in a second. I just need to talk to somebody and then to turn around and like air that as like, oh, did you know? Blah, 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 blah. Like she's the therapist kind of. Right. Scott, do you have initial thoughts? I have a few. <laughs> I'm the last person to talk to about this. Right? I told you that I was like, I don't think men communicate like this. No. They don't give each other grief for like not texting back. Yeah. And it's so weird, too, because we're all pretty casual and laid back. So when stuff like that happens, it is always her. And it's to the point of where like we trust you with our kid, but I don't trust you with my infant. Like, right. With, like, personal information. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. I have a very similar thing happening in my mom group. My son is 10. He's in fourth grade. And he is really close with some moms that I really love, but they're of the same. And the pattern that I've noticed a little bit is, like, first of all, female trio friendships are bound to have complications. I thought that we would like move past it as we got older. Who is she trying to cling closest to right now? Tragedy. Yeah. Our friend that she went to Mexico with, Julia. Is Julia also feeding the machine? No. So she went on the trip and she came back and she was like, it was awful. Well, you know, a Mexico vacation with tragedy is always going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> They were with their kids and spouses for a whole week, and they were like, that was a bit long. Yeah. I mean, you can talk to tragedy about anything, and she will always bring up Julia. We're just kind of like, okay, like, she's not even here. Like, you can hang out for a second. So they're both kind of distanced from each other now at this point. Yeah, like, Julia and I are fine. And not to add more details to the story, both of us are actually moving. And so we have talked to each other and, like, talked to our friends about it, but we both were like, we shouldn't tell tragedy yet unless we want everyone to know that we're moving away. I know you guys moving far away. Well, she's moving to Colorado and my husband and I are moving to Germany. So, yes. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. It's going to be a big change. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When are you guys moving? We're moving summer, so in June. Okay, so it's nice that at least there's a cap on it. But my son, yeah, like I said, one of the moms does feel pretty intent on, like, stirring whatever pot she can. And she is smart, and she's interesting, and she's personable and, like, emotional. And so you do get drawn into these personal conversations with her. And then suddenly she's pissed off at you or something, like, the gauging of when she's going to be mad at either myself or another mom, and then she tries to draw one of us in closer to her, like, over what I think is nothing. Yes. So I've attempted to starve the machine, and she still persists a bit, you know? And I also kind of feel for her, and my son is super tight with her son, so I can't not engage with her. But what I have done is just retreated a bit. That's easy for me to do because I have established a pattern of retreat. <laughs> Scott, do you like text your friends a lot? I don't. And then I have to apologize to them. But the ones who stick around understand. Do you have high maintenance friends? No, no. That's why I'm out of my element in this conversation. But does your wife experience these kinds of things and tell you about it? Well, it seems that way. I kind of stay out of the whole school thing in some ways. But she's much better at that sort of... I leave all that sort of stuff to her. She would understand. I've heard about such things going on in her life. I think it's everywhere, but it's definitely intensified here. The competitiveness of being a good mom. It seems to me, Kristen, that you've got two choices, right? You either take it up with her and say, look, this is the situation and it's bugging me and we should talk about it. Yeah. Or you just ghost her a little bit, right? I think that's where my question is of like, is it worth saying something or is it kind of like sweep it under the rug? Right. I would say something, but that's my uh, man approach maybe. Yeah. I usually am that person though. Like I like to say something. The only reason why I hesitate with this one is because there's so many people that are kind of like in it. Totally. I don't want to speak on behalf of other people, but at the same time, they're all telling me the exact same thing and feeling the exact same thing about this same person. And I do kind of feel for her because she's now like alienating herself. Which makes it worse. Yeah. She'll get angrier and fragile and insecure yeah. that like no one likes her, which will make her very needy. Yeah. I think it's really good that you're leaving. If you weren't leaving, I think that there's opportunities if like she's talking and saying something like, you know, I think it's a little more complicated than you know. 
or you just stay silent. Tell her the truth and leave. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, good. If that's where you're at, then do it. (laughs) But like, oddly enough, (laughs) she has family like where we're moving to. Oh. We're like, oh, shit. We'll still be in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're just not getting away from it. When it started out with so many women, it was just kind of like we're experiencing this all at the same time. And then it became like a good network to have just because we all don't know what the hell we're doing. It's like we're all a mess. So I mean, I'm very thankful to have that and then to be able to have friends from it. But then to like get into a lot of this sort of stuff, it's not my thing. <laughs> I know. What I've noticed with my kids' school is that there's more trouble with the moms than there is with the kids. Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Why is this? I don't know. I don't know if they're like unhappy in their marriages or their lives or bored or whatever. But in this thing, the thing that I'm going through that feels kind of similar, like I said, I really like both moms. We'll call one Sarah (laughs) and we'll call one Penelope. Penelope is the troublemaker, of course. (laughs) But Sarah totally engages in it. She totally takes the bait. Oh. And then she vents to me. And then Penelope gets super paranoid that I'm becoming closer with Sarah or something because Jack is really popular. So I know I'm of value, I guess, in the... Jack is really popular because he's naughty. (laughs) Anyway, Penelope is going through some relationship troubles. Meanwhile, Sarah has been texting me about Penelope's like cruelty to her with the understanding that this person is going to be in my life for a while because they are so close. I've really turned the hose to drip. So if she texts me or something, I will text her maybe the next day. Yeah, so like not immediate. Yeah, I just can't be her go-to in any form. And so far, a good strategy. But in your case, it's hard because tragedy will make the assumption that you're angry immediately. Yeah. Like there's a liability factor there with someone you can't trust. Yeah. I want to like dip out of a lot of things, but maybe conversational, but I want to let the kids still be able to have their lives and enjoy each other too. Totally. And I think what's important, I'm sure you already know this, the idea of like protecting the kids from any gossip. Yeah. I think you might have to put up with tragedy for a minute, (laughs) but I think you can control it. Yeah. You can take solace in the fact that we've all got one. Oh, yes. Even across the pond. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I wonder if you say to Mary and Julia, let's just try to starve the problem. And that means you guys need to not vent with each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so tempting and delicious to talk about other people. And part of it is we need it so we don't feel like our gauge is off. But I do think it can definitely perpetuate the problem. Toning that down will be part of starving the monster a little bit. And I think in front of her, if she starts to talk about Julia or whatever in Mexico, you can be like, oh, my gosh, is Frank like okay out there? Is that cool? <laughs> or like, oh, my God, he's making such a mess. I don't even know. what it, You know what I mean? Yeah, just distract. <laughs> Instant diversion. Because I do think Scott is right. I just think she will be insulted and she might retaliate in a way that just increases the whole situation. Yeah. I'm sorry, though. (laughs) I lived this yesterday. (laughs) 
I do like the point of, you know, we should probably stop that on our end too, because it's really easy for the rest of us to like, oh my God, what a tragedy do you now? And like that just like hypes us all up. I know. And then like analyzing everything. It is really fun, but I think attempt to resist it or like limit. Yeah. Let's get it out and move on. Right. Because I really believe that even if she doesn't know about anything, it's still feeding the thing. Yeah. And she's probably feeling very insecure and alone. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are moving to Germany. (laughs) We're pretty excited. That sounds like an awesome adventure. Good for you. Thanks. Yeah, we're really excited. We haven't quite told everyone yet. That's why tragedy doesn't fully know yet. (laughs) I think that's fine. You don't need to. So we had actually told her before anything was official, we had asked because we knew that her husband has family there. So we were like, what is that like? And then she told everyone like, oh, did you hear about when Kristen almost moved to Germany? And I was like, well, funny story. We are, but we just haven't told her yes, because we want to be able to do it ourselves. And you don't need to. Yeah. Your storyline right now can be like, we're just not sure. We don't know. Yeah. Better than my advice. Yeah, I'm too straightforward for my own good most of the time. But yeah, I'd rather just say the way it is. I've always thought that straightforward was good. (laughs) Maybe it is. It really could be. And if you guys weren't moving, I would be leaning towards that. Yeah. It just feels like you're kind of winding things down. Yeah. If your inclination is to talk with her, you should. Yeah. Scott, please tell Kristen what she should say. I'd just be honest. I'm always honest, but sometimes that doesn't work out as well. But at least you know where you stand. Yes. Yeah. I'm more interested to know, can you speak German? (laughs) So I started German lessons like a week ago. And the first thing they taught me was how to ask for a beer. And I was like, well, I guess I'm good. That's very important in Germany. Kristen, I like it that you want to talk with her. I appreciate that kind of strength. I just didn't know if it was going to be more hassle than it was worth. I mean, that is my concern and being a hassle, but also, like I said, I'm straightforward, but I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone else. That's the tricky bit, isn't it? Yeah. Letting her know that everybody else has been saying things about it too. Maybe it can just come from you. Yeah. I don't know what the rest think, but I've got to tell you that I don't really appreciate this, blah, blah, blah. That's true. Yeah. And Kristen, if you feel generous. I would also say, like, I think you're such a kind, loving person and you're such a good mother. And I would trust my kid with you any day of the week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because she will digest this and analyze it hard. And I definitely think Scott's right. Yeah. But it might be better for her in the long run, right? It will. But at what cost? Well, that's up to her. That's. (laughs) Kristen, thank you so much for your call. And. I'm just grateful to talk to somebody else who's going through this. Same. It's one of those where it's like, it's nice to know that other people are going through it. And I'm sorry that you are as well, but like, it's not as isolating. I feel you. I love you. (laughs) I hope you have an amazing adventure in Germany. Oh, thank you. Very excited. Sorry, I couldn't be more help, Kristen. No. Out of my league. Scott, you were great. Honestly, that's kind of like my husband's role is also like, all right. (laughs) I know because they don't have to deal with this jumble. We don't. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of reasons you guys are luckier. (laughs) It's like you leave school, then you have kids and you go back to school. Yeah. And it's worse the second time around. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Except this time I'm more popular. Oh. Nice. That's the secret. Yeah. Kristen, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Anna. See you. Bye.